Mike lived around the corner from a pastor named James Merritt. In the 11 years that Pastor James had lived in that neighborhood, he had uh, encountered Mike on three or four occasions in that 11 years. It was nothing really of significance. In fact, when Mike found out that James was a pastor, he really tried to avoid him as much as possible. And so that went on for years and years and years, and they'd occasionally wave to one another or say hello to one another, but, but no real conversation, no real relationship there. One spring, Mike was diagnosed with inoperable esophageal cancer. He was only 51 years old. James decided to pay Mike a visit. He went and knocked on his door, and unlike the previous meetings, Mike seemed to want to talk this time. After some small talk, tears began to flow from James's eyes and down his cheeks. And, and he looked at Mike and he said, Mike, I'm not crying because of your diagnosis. I'm crying because it's been 11 years and I've never shared with you what I came to share with you today. He looked Mike in the eye and said, Mike, do you mind if we talk about spiritual things? Mike cleared his throat and he said, James, I would like that very much. James began to share with Mike how God loves everyone, and he talked to Mike about God's grace and God's forgiveness and about salvation. And Mike sat there vacuuming in every word that he heard Pastor James say. And before the conversation was over, James gave his heart and his life to Jesus Christ. James said, I had no way of knowing that we were starting down an eight-month journey together. James would visit Mike almost every week, and each time he went to see him, it was evident that the cancer was taking a toll on Mike's body. Big Mike went from 220 pounds down to under 100. While he was physically wasting away, he was spiritually growing stronger. James would recommend verses for Mike to read in his Bible, and the next time James would come to visit Mike had read every verse and had highlighted those verses in his Bible and was excited to show Pastor James what he had been reading and the places he had highlighted and, and asking Pastor James for a new list of verses to read. The bitterness that Mike had harbored about having a terminal illness at such a young age just melted away. Mike's wife couldn't believe the change in his demeanor and in his countenance and in his attitude. He was still battling. He's still battling cancer, still fighting it, still struggling physically. But now he lived with the promise of eternal life. And he knew that if he didn't make it, he was going to spend eternity with God in heaven. Not long before he died, Mike said something that stunned Pastor James. He told James that he was actually grateful that this has happened to him. Mike realized the cancer had been the pathway, his pathway, to Christ. And though he lamented that it took cancer to draw him to Christ, he said to Pastor James, he said, I wouldn't want to go back to my old life for anything. Jesus has made that kind of difference in me. The Bible says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. Each passing day, Mike experienced that truth personally. Each passing day, he experienced the Lord as his strength and as his help. You see, the greatest lesson that Mike learned was not in health, but it was in sickness. It was not in prosperity, but in suffering. 
I want you to listen to me today. There are three basic problems that are common to everyone, everywhere, at some time in life. They are sickness, sorrow, and suffering. You may escape one or two of those. It's almost impossible for you to escape all three. Every person here today, if you haven't already, you likely will encounter either sickness or sorrow or suffering. Many of you have already encountered some of those. Some of you are wrestling with all three of those. And who knows what you're going to encounter in the future. But one thing is for sure, you're not going to escape all of them. Now, the reason this message is important today is because there is a man in the Bible who did indeed encounter all three of those. He encountered sickness and sorrow and suffering. And his story of how he handled his pain and his suffering is told to us in Psalm 28 in his own words. Psalm 28, would you open God's word? As the man who encountered these things tells us in his own words how he experienced them, what happened. Psalm 28, while you're turning to that, let me set the stage for you. We don't know for sure what problems David was facing. But David, the author of Psalm 28, was indeed wrestling with something in his life. And he had enemies against him. And again, we don't know historically what the problem was, but... But David was praying for deliverance from his, from his enemies that he was facing. And as he prayed, David struggled. The reason we know that is because of the way he begins this, Psalms, or this psalm. It appears that David has been praying about this dangerous situation that he's been facing for some time. And so far, it appears that God hasn't answered him. Look in verse 1 and 2. I'll show you what I'm talking about. To you I call, O Lord my God. Do not, let, do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you remain silent, I will be like those who have gone down to the pit. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help. As I lift up my hands toward your holy place. I want you to notice what David said in verse 1. It's very important that you understand verse 1. To you I call, O Lord my God. Do not turn a what? A deaf ear. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. You know why David said that? It's because that's what he felt like God was doing. You know how we know that? Because of the very next phrase. If you remain silent. Implying that it appeared that God had been silent. If you remain silent, David said. God had not responded to David. God had not answered his prayer. David was praying, but it appeared that God wasn't responding. It appeared that God wasn't answering. And he says toward the end of, of the, at the end of verse 1, For if you remain silent, I will be like those who have gone down to the pit. That's another word for death. It shows that David felt totally alone and abandoned by God in his experience. He, he said, God, if you remain silent, it's going to be like I'm dead. He felt abandoned by God, totally alone by God. Tough times can be grueling, but the worst suffering of all is probably the sense of isolation. The sense that you are alone in your suffering. The sense that there is no one there who can help you through your suffering. David said, God, 
<coughs> it feels like, feels like you've turned a deaf ear to me in my problems. Now, if you've ever felt that, if you've ever wondered if God is really listening when you're praying, I want you to understand you are not alone. In fact, I want you to read some words with me, some scriptures with me. They're all in Psalms. And they are all written by the same man who wrote Psalm 28, David. Now, just <clears throat> might want to write these references down as we turn to them. Let's go over to the left, Psalm 13. <clears throat> Psalm 13. Psalm 13, verse 1. David begins this psalm with a question. How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? That does not appear to be a man that, that is happy in his relationship with the Lord, but this is a man who is questioning where God is and what God is doing. Go to Psalm 35. Psalm 35. Verse 22. O Lord, you have seen this. Be not silent. Do not be far from me, O Lord. God, stop being silent, David was saying. Psalm 39, verse 12. Psalm 39, verse 12. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry for help. Do not, deal, do, do not be deaf to my weeping. Do not be deaf to my weeping. Look at Psalm 69, verse 3. Go on over. Psalm 69, verse 3. David said, I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fell looking for my God. Now, you need to understand something. The man who wrote Psalm 28 and the other Psalms we've just looked at, and the man who said again and again and again, God, where are you? Why have you turned a deaf ear? My, my throat is parched from crying out to you. I keep looking for you, but I don't find you. The man who wrote all of those words, listen to this, is the same man who wrote Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He stills my soul. The man who wrote this beautiful psalm about God's constant companionship and God's care for us, the way that God watches over us like a shepherd does his sheep, is the, the very same man who wrote Psalm 28 and all the other psalms we just looked at where he said, God, why have you turned a deaf ear to me? So what do you do in that situation? What do you do when you're facing something like that and you're wondering, what has happened to God? Here's what you do. I'm going to give you two things today straight from the Scripture. Here's what you do. Here's the first one. Number one, keep praying when you wonder if God is even listening. Keep praying when you wonder if God is even listening. And I'll tell you why. Prayer is the way you continue to express your faith in God. Look what David's doing back in Psalm 28. Go back to Psalm 28. 
Psalm 28, verse 1 and 2. Look at it again. To you I call, O Lord my rock, do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you remain silent, I will be like those who have gone down to the pit. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift up my hands toward your most holy place. What is David doing? He's still expressing his faith in God while he waited on God to act on his behalf. Though he wonders where God is, though he wonders why God has turned a deaf ear to him, he is still praying to God. He is still expressing his faith in God. (coughs) Excuse me, and verse 2 is so powerful. David lifts up his hands to God for help, demonstrating he's trusting God to meet his needs, demonstrating his faith in the God he so desperately needs. He says in verse 2, as I lift up my hands toward your most holy place. David has not given up on God. He doesn't understand what's happening. He doesn't understand why it least appears that God has grown deaf, but he is still lifting up his hands. He is still praying to God to desperately meet his need. I like what Elizabeth Elliot said. She said, every experience of trial puts us to this test. Do you trust God or don't you? Every trial puts you to this test. Do you trust God or don't you? You know what I found, let's see if you agree with this. I found it's easy to trust God in the good times. Isn't it? You know, you don't need a whole lot of faith in the good times. In the good times, you, you can have cotton candy faith. Cotton candy faith is basically faith that looks good, but there's not a whole lot there. In the good times, that's all you need is cotton candy faith. But in the hard times, life's more than you can bear. And when you're wondering why God has turned a deaf ear to your prayers, that's when you need a real faith. That's when you need a faith that is tenacious and a faith that... that that will hang on to God and cling to God regardless of the circumstances. And that is David in Psalm 28, verses 1 and 2. This kind of faith that David had was was a faith that said, God, I'm still going to look to you. I'm still going to pray to you. I don't know why you're turning to deaf ear to me, but I'm still going to lift up my hands to your holy place. I'm still going to pray and ask for your help because I so desperately need it. Now watch what happened. This is so good. I'll show you what happened. David's sobbing eventually turned to singing. I want you to look at verse 6. Praise be to the Lord, for He has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy and I will give thanks to Him in song. He went from sobbing to singing. I want you to compare two lines. One's in verse 2, one's in verse 6. In verse 2, David says, Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help. In verse 6, he says, Praise me to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. I I thought about it. I'd love to have had two big boards right up here. And and on this board, I would have written the verses 1 through 2 and not told you what scripture it is. And on this, verse, on this board, I would have written verses 6 and 7. And I would ask you, do you know what scripture this one is? Do you know where, where it's found in the Psalms? And do you know where this one is found in the Psalms? And you'd probably say, I don't know where they're found, but it's two separate Psalms, that's for sure. And you'd probably say, the guy who wrote verses 1 through 2 can't be the guy who wrote verses 6 and 7. 
And yet it's the same, the same man going through the same experience. And I love what he says in verse 6 and 7. <coughs> he said in verse 6, He has heard my cry for mercy. If you mark your Bible, would you underline that? He has heard my cry for mercy. And then would you underline in verse 7, I am helped. You know what David was declaring? David was declaring, God heard me and God helped me. God heard me and God helped me. And if you will keep praying, there will come a day when you will be glad that you did. If you will keep praying, there will come a day when you can say what David said, God heard me and God helped me. God heard me in my deepest pain and God helped me with my biggest problem. Now, some of you are not there yet. I understand that. You may be stuck in verses 1 and 2, wondering why God is so silent. You may be stuck in verses 1 and 2, trying to figure out why life has happened the way it is. You may be stuck in verses 1 and 2, just kind of angry at God and frustrated because He doesn't seem to be listening to your prayers. But here's what you do. You keep lifting your hands up to heaven and asking for His help. Because as you lift your hands to heaven and ask for His help, you are demonstrating your faith in Him, even when you don't understand Him. That's what David was doing in verses 1 and 2. Watch this, listen. That's what got him to verses 6 and 7. Can't stress that enough. The way he got to verses 6 and 7, praising the Lord, the way he went from sobbing to singing, is because in verses 1 and 2, he continued to raise his hands to God in prayer to the God who seemed to be turning a deaf ear to him. Times of desperation will activate either your fear or your faith. And you decide which one will control you. You decide if, if your fear will control you or your faith will control you. So here's David, verses 1 and 2. And he decides, I'm going to continue to lift my hands to God. I'm going to continue to pray to God, even though it appears like he's deaf to what I'm saying. He's going to let his faith continue to, to rule his life, rather than fear rule his life. This week I was, in the, I was at the hospital and I was talking to a family, and, and I heard a story that I want to pass on to you. It's a true story. It's a story of a man whose wife had cancer, not only did she have cancer, but they got some bad news in the midst of that ordeal. The diagnosis was not good. And when he went to church that next Sunday, <clears throat> word began to spread around the congregation about the diagnosis she had recently received. And, and he finally, knowing that everybody was kind of talking about that and wondering about that and wanted to ask about that, uh, this man finally stood up on, on a Sunday morning ser- in a Sunday morning service and he says, I know you all have heard about the diagnosis And here's what I'm going to say about that. He stood there and he said, God was in control yesterday. And God is in control today. And God will be in control tomorrow. And he sat down. You know know what he was saying? He was saying, I'm going to let my faith control me rather than my fear. It was pretty clear his faith had conquered his fear. You never have to understand what God is doing if you know you can trust what God is doing. You may not understand all that God is doing, but if you know you can still trust God, then you can continue to lift up hands like David did in verse 2. said, but I'm still going to pray. 
I'm still going to ask. I'm still going to trust. And the way he got to verses 6 and 7 was the way was because of the way he prayed in verses 1 and 2. So here's the second thing you need to do. The first thing we said, keep praying even though you don't know if God's listening. Here's number two. Let the Lord be your constant companion in the days ahead. If you want to put down a separate kind of a description of that, you could put it this way. Depend on God more than you normally do. You see, if you're like me, can somebody be honest here today? If you're like me, there are some days you don't really need God a whole lot. Can we be honest? Or at least you don't acknowledge it. Maybe you need Him more than you realize. But, but there are some days when life is just going well and everything is good and, and there's really not a whole lot of problems and the sun is shining and family's healthy and everything's pretty good and job's going well. And, 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 and some days you're grateful to God, but, but you're not aware that you really need to depend on God. But then there are some days, or could I put it this way, there are some seasons when it's evident you need God this day and every day. This was David. Listen to the testimony of David in verse 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and I am helped. You know how David made it through what he, what he went through? He made it through what he went through by declaring the Lord is my strength. And I am going to depend on him today. He decided to let God be his constant companion. He decided that he would have a daily dependence on God. So he declared the Lord is my strength. So in those days when he didn't have strength, he knew he had the Lord. And he said the Lord is my strength. You see, the message of the Bible is this. Watch this. Everybody look up here. Here's the message of the Bible. When I can't, He can. That's the message of the Bible. When I can't, He can. And so whatever I'm facing this week, whatever I'm facing this month, and I don't have the strength I need, when I can't, He can. And David said, I've gotten to the point where I'm living every day with this awareness, the Lord is my strength. When I'm weak, He's not. The Lord is my strength. And then he went on to say, the Lord is my what? He said, the Lord is my shield. Let's think about this this week. Do you know when you need a shield? You need a shield when the arrows are flying. You need a shield when the enemy is attacking. You don't need a shield when everything's good and it's sunny outside and there's no battle. You, You need a shield in the midst of battle. You need a shield when the enemy is attacking. And David said, not only is the Lord my strength, but in those days or in those weeks or in those months, when the enemy seems to be attacking me or my family, the Lord is my, not only my strength, he's my shield. You see, when he said the Lord is my strength, he was talking about God's provision. And when he said the Lord is my shield, he was talking about God's protection. David was declaring, God, I'm depending on you. I'm depending on you today, and I'm depending on you tomorrow, and I'm depending on you the next day. You are my strength and you're my shield because there is no one else who can help me through what I'm going through. God, you are my hope. How did he get from verses 1 and 2 to verses 6 and 7? 
continued to pray when he didn't know if God was listening, and he declared his dependence on God every day. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my shield. And when you are at your weakest point, you need to understand, it provides, when you're at your weakest point, that's an opportunity for God to display his great strength. And I've seen it, I know you've seen it, but if you'll turn to the Lord and say, the Lord is my strength, the Lord is my shield, then you will understand that his arms can and will embrace you in the living room when you're sobbing with a broken heart. When you say, the Lord is my shield and the Lord is my strength, then you'll understand his hand sits on your shoulder when you're in a hospital room and you get a bad diagnosis. When you say, the Lord is my strength and the Lord is my shield, you understand that he walks beside you when you're facing grief, Through the loss of a loved one. When you say the Lord is my strength and the Lord is my shield, you understand that he gives you peace when others around you don't have it. I love the way David said it in verse 7. He summarized it this way. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. So when fear begins to battle your faith, ask yourself, am I living this verse? My heart trusts in Him. Am I living that out? You might need to ask yourself that several times this week. When fear begins to seep into your life, ask yourself, is my heart trusting in Him? When worry begins to fill your mind, ask yourself, is my heart trusting in Him? When loneliness seems to surround you, ask yourself, is my heart trusting in Him? When apathy keeps you from your Bible, ask yourself, is my heart trusting in Him? When doubt hinders your prayer life, ask yourself, is my heart trusting in Him? Look at verse 7. We'll close with this. My heart trusts in Him, and I am helped. And then he said after that, my heart leaps for joy, and I'll give thanks to Him in song. That's why you need to ask these questions because I want you to get to that day where you can say, where your testimony is, my heart leaps for joy because of who the Lord is and what the Lord has done for me. My heart leaps for joy and I'm going to sing to Him my songs of praise. My heart leaps for joy. That sure doesn't sound like the David we read about in verses 1 and 2. Could it be? Could it be that Satan never wanted David to get to verses 6 and 7? Could it be that Satan wanted to keep David in verses 1 and 2? Absolutely. So how did he get away from verses 1 and 2? How did he get away from the darkness and the despair of verses 1 and 2? He continued to pray. He continued to lift up his hands to the Lord when he didn't even know if God was listening. And he had a daily dependence on God where he declared, the Lord is my strength and the Lord is my shield. And no matter what I'm facing, those two things will be a reality in my life every day. That I'm depending on the Lord to be my strength. I'm depending on God to be my shield. I'm depending on God's provision. I'm depending on God's protection. And every day, that's the way I'm going to live my life. That's why he came to the end of verse 7. He said, my heart's singing right now of what God has done for me. And he can do that for you. And can I say to you, listen, listen carefully. There, there, somebody better put an amen here. I want to tell you something. It makes a difference if you know the Lord. 
It really does. Some of you, if you don't have a relationship with God, you're still going to experience those same three things. Sin, sorrow, and suffering. They're going to come into your life whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. Sin, sorrow, and suffering is something we all encounter in life. We're not going to escape it. You might escape one of them, but you're not going to escape all of them. And if you know the Lord, you face sin, sorrow, and suffering with the Lord. But if you don't know the Lord Jesus, you face sin, sorrow, and suffering on your own without him and for the life of me I do not know how people endure sin sorrow and suffering without the Lord Jesus I really don't if you don't know Christ today's your day to say you know what I'm going to go across that line I'm stepping across the line of faith and I'm declaring I believe stepping across that line and saying I, I, I put my faith in Christ I'm trusting, I believe. I believe that Jesus died for my sin. I believe that, that he can come into my life. I, I'm declaring my faith today. I believe. Then you can be one who says, sin, sorrow, suffering, it may come. But the Lord is my strength. And the Lord is my shield. Pray with me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those who are struggling, for those who are hurting, for those who may be living in the despair of verses 1 and 2. I pray that they'll continue to lift their hands to heaven and continue to pray even though they're not sure if it's doing any good. And I pray they'll get to the point where they'll decide to live on a daily basis that the Lord is my strength. When I can't, He can. And the Lord is my shield. He will protect me from the enemy. I pray for that, God. I pray that they would experience that, that they would experience that transformation of going from fear to faith. And then I pray for those people who may not have a relationship with you, and now they're, they're considering stepping across that line and declaring their faith in Christ. I pray today might be that day when they say, Yes, Lord Jesus, I believe. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.